and welcome to the ghost train. Tickets, please. Take your seat and enjoy the ride all aboard. Welcome on board the Ghost Train, the podcast that brings you right into the creepy and freaky world of the paranormal. I want to say happy Canada Day to all the Canucks listening to the Ghost Train on this beautiful long weekend celebration. And before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to quickly remind you about the GT Instagram, which is at Ghost Train Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Ghost Train PC and our Facebook page, search Ghost Train Podcast. This is where I post fun paranormal news articles that I come across, as well as keep you in the loop of the Ghost Train. I also post pics that the guests and I talk about, like today's guests, Melissa and Christina. They've sent me lots of pics that I'll be posting to the Instagram page. So make sure that you follow that one for sure. Melissa and Christina run their own podcast as well called Eternal Return Podcast. Check them out. They are on board the ghost train with us today. So let's get ready. They have some truly frightening stories from a haunted watch that now belongs to a certain haunted collector, Mr. Zach Baggins, to living in a home that has a portal creating a whirlwind of paranormal activity. Here we go. It's about to get super intense and really creepy. Let's get this ghost train a rolling next stop haunted objects all aboard okay christina and melissa eternal return podcast you ladies are on board the ghost train and you both have some really scary stories to tell us here today about a haunted watch just for starters so ladies take it away what do we got going here well i guess i'll start so i found this watch it just apparated into my personal belongings as I was cleaning, I do spring cleaning, so March of 2016, I was uh, cleaning out a bunch of stuff, and it actually, it, I found it in this box, it's a rectangle paper mache box, it's kind of old, mm-hmm. and inside this box is a picture of a friend of mine and her husband, and a little poem. Yeah. And it's a little poem, and the watch actually was in this box. And I have no clue. I've never seen it before. I don't know how it got there. No one in my family has ever seen it before. Um, the box was given to me by the husband in that photo. I was really good friends with him and his wife, and I worked with them. She had epilepsy. They were newlyweds, and she just became pregnant, and she actually drowned in the bathtub because she wasn't on her medication anymore because she was mm-hmm. pregnant. So um, it affected me a lot. I was I was probably about 20 years old, and I was really close to them. And he had given me this box. It was Christine's. And um, he'd given me the box. He'd given me a photo of them and a poem that uh, he wrote down from wherever. And nothing has ever been in that box besides those items, those two items. And cleaning in 2016, it was just there. I had I seen the box. I pulled it out. I, you know, remember you go through old photos. It was kind of that kind of thing, and um, the box felt really heavy. And I opened it up, and there this watch was. That's that's weird. And so, okay, this watch appears. You're kind of maybe a bit weirded out by that. But what did you do with it? Did you is it is it like a pocket watch? Is it a wrist watch? Um, did you start wearing it around? It, it's a it's a lady's wristwatch, and it had an engraving Ted to Hazel, and it had the year twenty six from nineteen twenty six, and it was this Art Deco style watch. It it opened up. It had gold findings inside. It was very pretty. 
very pretty mm. old watch. So, yeah, I was a little kind of, what the heck? But it wasn't the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to wear it. I don't know. I don't know Ted. I don't know Hazel. They, I don't know if they have anything to do with these people. It's just a weird thing. So I started to wear it, and that's when I started having nightmares. So before you even get into that, did you ask your friend who gave you the box, did you ask him anything about this watch? Or if who like who's Ted and Hazel? Do you know them? Is that like someone that's related to you? Is that like your grandparents or, or your wife's, former wife's grandparents? Um, no, I actually wasn't able. To, I haven't talked to Kenny probably in about three years or, no, or so, four years, maybe a little bit longer. I think oh nine was the last time. So, yeah, quite a bit of time has passed since I talked to him. I think he moved back east, back home with his family. Um, so I haven't been in contact with him. I wouldn't even know where to start mm-hmm. to find him, to know Facebook from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, but no, I I never seeked them out or him out to see if he would know where the watch came from. I just kind of started wearing it. Mm-hmm. And then these nightmares start, and then the things start to just it's like start to escalate further and further as you're wearing this. Yeah, I wore it probably about three times. And that's when I started having the nightmares. Um, it was an older woman, and she was always really aggressive in my dreams. It, it was kind of very lucid dreams, very realistic. Like, I would wake up and, like, sit up in bed, and my husband would be like, are you all right? Because you know, he's a light sleeper, and I'm just like, God, it's another fucking nightmare. And um, so I stopped wearing the watch at that point because... I thought maybe something was attaching to me and I didn't want to give it any more, you know, connection. Right. And then I started getting scratched. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you sent me the pictures that I'll be posting, too. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And, like, do you own a cat? Do you own a dog? Like, is there any possibilities that it was them kind of idea? No, I, I had two cats that I have two rescues. My daughter has two rescues, but they're they're not going to scratch me and I'm not going to, you know, you know a cat scratch if you've yeah. ever had a yeah. cat, you, you know. And they're, they grew up with the children so it's not like you pick up a cat and they scratch you and they're like, get away from me. It's not like that kind of situation at all. Um, one in particular scratch was on the back of my leg and it went from the, or from the middle of my thigh down to the middle of my calf and it burned for days and it, I, I still remember that one very vividly and that one was very intense, and I got a couple scratches on my forearms, and I think I sent you that picture as well. Yeah. yeah. So all this stuff's going on. Are you seeking outside help, or are you just kind of trying to do this all on your own? Or, like, what's going on? <laughs> You're very, laughing. I want to hear this then. <laughs> I'm just very stubborn, and I don't – I told Christina about it, and she's like, take it here or do this. Or I am. Um, yeah, I tried to tell her. I said, you know what? We need to go bury this thing. Um, we have Red Rock Canyon out here in Vegas, and there was a an area where there's like a labyrinth out um, in the hills where you can go hiking. And I said, we should go out there and just go bury this because it seems like it's causing a lot of issues. And I could tell that Melissa was really attached to it. Like, even though it was doing these things, she was having a hard time getting rid of it and letting it go. I offered to mail it to the Haunted Museum for her. 
Um, yeah, I said, I'll even go drop it off for you. Um, but it always seemed to be like, Oh no, no, I'll take care of it. There's always an excuse, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I finally prevailed, but we'll get to that. But, um, there, there seemed to always be this attachment to it. Are any of the, the two of you are, do you have any kind of different abilities? Like, are you clairvoyant, medium, psychic? Do you consider yourself to be in that kind of, um, I guess, like brainwave or thinking realm? I would say, I mean, for me personally, um, an empath, I, I don't think it's as strong as, um, Mally, but, um, I've always been really empathic, but nothing mm-hmm. clairvoyant or I would say medium or anything like that to an extent. Okay. Yeah, same for me. I think I'm more, like, I, I'm more, I can tell what people's intentions are. I remember I worked in reservations for a short period of time, and uh, I had a phone call from a guy, and I swear he had just got done beating his wife. I just had this feeling. Mm. And um, I told my friend down at the front desk, I was I had told her about it. We were having a conversation. And I said, when he checks in, let me know if you get any creepy vibes. And um, she said it was just, they were just the oddest couple. And she, she could see that this woman was like a this battered kind of woman where she was meek and battered. And it just kind of was validity for me. And that's why I, you know, talked to her about it. But I wouldn't say clairvoyant. I just kind of brush it off. You know what I mean? Because we don't know. What, no one knows really what they're doing. And after my near-death experience, I I kind of feel a little bit like I know which way we're headed, but I still have no clue. Right. Yeah. And we'll get to, we'll get to that story as well. Cause I think that that kind of catapulted you into a whole other way of thinking now and maybe like being open to that, the, to that world, right. That, that you had a near-death experience more than one. Right. Do Yeah, definitely. The, the car accident definitely I, I completely turned into a different person which is you know if you want to get into that we can talk about that it, it was pretty jarring yeah okay well let's do it then so are you okay to talk about it yeah absolutely yeah. okay okay um, so what what all happened that day and what kind of has started to happen since well I, w- I was 18 and um, I had I moved out when I was 16. I was a very independent, very strong-willed, I'm going to do what I want, and I still have some of that. But um, I was very rebellious, and I lived in Las Vegas. I lived crazy. I mean, I lived crazy. (laughs) I can only imagine. Whatever came my way, I was, sure, let's do it. And um, I had left my boyfriend at the time. I was moving out, and I had taken him to the store, he asked me to drive him, and um, he was still really upset that I was, you know, leaving, and we were splitting households, so I took him to the store to get, like, bedding and all this weird stuff, and mm-hmm. it was probably, like, the 3rd or 4th of January, so it gets dark really early here, and um, we came out, we got in the car, and I have a big seatbelt peeved, like, you have to wear a seatbelt in my vehicle, period, or I don't budge, and he knew that, and he was just kind of egging me on, egging me on about it. Finally, he put his seatbelt on, and we were pulling out of the parking lot, and a lady had her headlights off. She ran the, the light that's probably about not even half a mile from where we were. She ran that light, so I didn't see her coming when I pulled into into the main road, and um, she T-boned me. Oh. And I went halfway through the windshield, 
and I got pinned in the car, and we did a 360 into the parking lot, and he had unbuckled my seatbelt during this time. And I remember, like, cars whizzing by and and just passing out after that. And after I had passed out, I remember, like, watching panic, just panic ensue, people rushing, just craziness. I remember this one guy, he was giving me, like, CPR. He had his tie over his shoulder. I guess he came from Applebee's, which was across the street, and he was a manager. Never been able to find this guy since. Oh, my God. So he had got me out of the car. He got me on the ground, and I'm just watching all of this stuff, and it's just so weird to think about. And um, Yeah, take your time. Yeah, he just... I was just watching this chaos, and I remember watching my ex yelling at me. He was yelling at me that I killed a tree. <laughs> just the weirdest shit that I remember. And I remember everything was calm, and it was probably the most peaceful, blissful, wonderful experience I've ever experienced in my life, if that makes any kind of sense. You know, you think, like, you're in this horrific accident. But I was at peace and calm and extremely happy. Hmm. Well, I've heard that when you are passing away all the endorphins that go to your brain are just supposed to be like flooding you almost like a heroin kind of like aspect right so it's just like euphoria you're like oh this is amazing so nice yeah maybe like an ecstasy kind of experience but it was definitely out of body it wasn't i was feeling this inside my body amongst the pain because i've been in car accidents i i I, i've had three home births i know pain (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know some pain in my life, but this was a completely different experience. This was life-changing. Um, after my recovery was very swift, but I completely turned into a different person. I just wasn't the same person. I wasn't wild. I wasn't up for everything. Everything slowed down for me. I just became a more cautious, mild-mannered, I guess you would say, very, very more tame than I was. <laughs> and did you see anything when you had that experience other than hearing your ex-boyfriend calling f- that you had destroyed trees or whatever it was? <laughs> did, you, did you see like any, any, cause I don't know, did you see a light? Did you see spirits? I guess you couldn't really, you wouldn't be able to really tell who, like what's a spirit and what's not, I guess. But um, did you see anything that would have kind of given you hope that there is another side? Um, I, there's, Definitely, in my experience, there's more, and I felt there were, I felt presence around me, if that makes sense. I did not feel alone. I couldn't say, oh, that's my grandmother, or that's so-and-so. I didn't feel like one particular person. It just, it, you did not feel alone. I totally felt presence, and I felt content, and I did not, I did not want to go back into my body. I remember that. I remember really? feeling this this euphoria and then feeling the worst pain of my life. So mm. it was from one to extreme to another within a split second. Hmm. That's insane. And so that so that's the first kind of thing. And then you went through your whole recovery and you weren't really wanting to be as crazy anymore. And you had kind of had like a mental check almost. And you're like, well, I can't be doing that stuff like that. I got to 
really be careful with my life because this is a very precious thing that I have. So then, I guess after your recovery, did you start to notice that you were more open to the paranormal world, I guess I should say? Yeah, I hated it. I absolutely really? hate, I hated the feeling. I hated being able to feel other people's like intent or energy. Uh, even when I met Christina, I was still really struggling with grounding myself and blocking other people's energy from me because it would just flood in and I would be drained. I would be put down for three days, exhausted, just in a public place. Okay. Have you reached out to anyone with, uh, I guess, more experience in that world than than you have? Would you want, because I've I've talked to Monica from Colorado Springs. She works for um, Colorado Paranormal Seekers, and she calls her, she says she's an energy reader. And she was describing like very similar symptoms when she didn't realize she had this gift. And she found out when she was in her 30s, but she was just like, I'm always drained. I'm always feeling tired. And I'm like, and, and all of a sudden I'll be flooded with all this stuff and I don't know what's happening. And she had, she has like ways that she was taught to control it. Uh, yeah, I got it, right? I mean, um, I go to a Reiki center. Okay. So we talked about Reiki and kind of going into the Reiki circle just so she could experience it. But I know Mel, you that that was a lot of people in a very small space. Like it would give her a lot of anxiety because yeah. I know personally that Reiki helped me learn how to shield other people's emotions and okay. be more grounded and sane when you when you feel that. Yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to one-on-one talking with people about it and stuff like that. I don't like group situations. For me personally, I usually take a couple weeks out here and there, or I'll take a week at a time and go to the mountains, or I'll go to a place where I can just recharge. Mm -hmm. One of the things after I was being attacked with the watch, I spent a week in Utah up in Duck Creek, and I thought that I had shaken the attachment I was like, oh, maybe this did it for me because it always seems to help. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously not, but uh, yeah, I'm not opposed to any of that kind of stuff. I I do find it interesting, and I'm very guarded with with group situations. I don't want yeah. to open up. Well, I get that, and it's it's yeah, you don't want to feel like you're everyone's watching you, right? Just do do what works for you, right? So we were talking about um, your near death experience. So there's more than one, right? You were saying that a man had come into a bar that you were in? Yeah, um, I wouldn't consider that near death. I mean, I guess maybe that life flashes before your eyes kind of thing. Okay. You know, that did happen for sure. Yeah, he um, he was on a lot of drugs. He was very distraught. I went through court with this man. He went to jail for kidnapping. Oh, my God. Um, and um, obviously shooting, he... He wounded the bartender so bad that he um, he can't use his left arm anymore. Oh, so um, he's like disfigured for life. But he he was on drugs. He had a really bad family situation. His wife, his ex-wife, actually approached me at, during court um, at, on a break, and she had told me if I would forgive him because he was in such a b- bad place at the time. And I was like, yeah. And I told my kids, I was like, because they, they were very young. I told my kids, like, I don't blame him for what he did. He, you know, he just made a bad choice because I don't want them to grow up thinking that 
you know, everybody's this evil monster and stuff like that. He made a bad choice. So he um, argued with the bartender for a minute. This is after he had come and talked to me and uh, a coworker. We were waiting for my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law to show up, and they never showed up. And um, it was getting late. We were about to cash out and leave, and he he was cashing out with the bartender, and they started arguing over four dollars and change and in a blink of a second point blank he shot the man over and over and over again and he leaned over the bar and he walked along as the man crawled on the floor he walked along the bar and shot at him over the bar and my co-worker had drugged me under the table and he turned his attention to us after he was done picking up the shells when I saw him picking up the cartridges the spent gun shells i was like we're goners we're dead like he he obviously doesn't want to leave anything behind and i'm not dying under a fucking table and that's what i told her i looked at her i said run do whatever you got to do i'm not dying under this fucking table so i stood up and he put the gun in my back and i still have like a burn from where because it was hot he burned me with the barrel and he said, take me to the cameras. And I was like, I don't fucking work here. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Luckily, mm-hmm. I was very nice to this man when he approached me. Because he approached me and he was like, is that your girlfriend? Because my coworker, um, she's lesbian. She had a faux hawk. She was dressed like a man. She had a shirt and tie. We had come from work. And that was her manager attire. And I was like, no, I'm married with kids. And, you know, kind of just was very pleasant to him. Yeah. He was talking to me and I just didn't want to. I'm not a, like. I'm not rude like that. I don't shut people down like that. Probably saved my life, but I didn't. And um, so he's like, show me the cameras. And we start walking through the kitchen. And I had worked in restaurants before, so I knew that there's an exit in the kitchen. There's always an exit in the kitchen. And when we went through the door that swings, yep. uh, we went through that door. And I turned around and I pushed on the door and the door flew open and he wasn't there anymore. So I ran. I took off. Like, I, I knew I had told my friend to get out of there that he had his attention on me. I was crossed my fingers that she had done that, and I just hoped that I would see her wherever I meet, that I get outside. I had run outside. I don't remember any of this, but the bartender said in court that I had hopped this eight-foot wall. Don't remember that. No clue. Um, I remember I had kicked my shoes off when we were inside when I got out from the table because I was in flip-flops. And I was like, if I'm running, I'm not running in these. And um, it was kind of like a fight or flight moment where you just do these things and you don't realize you're doing them. Hopped the wall and I came running around the building and I ran straight into a SWAT officer full, like, vest and everything. He knocked me down and they put me in the Denny's with my friend that's across the way looking at this bar. And I remember um, one of the waitresses, one of them, she's like, oh, it's getting robbed again, like, all nonchalant. I was so pissed. Like, I gave mm. her a piece of my mind. I probably could have <laughs> tore her throat out at that point. <laughs> I, I had glass all under my feet. Um, it was just, it was chaos. It was insane. Well, it took a, they, I think it took him, like, 15 minutes to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out he had him have my friend. He held her against the door to the office, and he shot next to her head because she couldn't get in. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff was happening. Um, they put her in the Denny's with me after they got her out, and I kept telling them, like, she's dressed like a man. You know, don't mistake her for him. Like, you know who you're going for. And I tried to describe them to him to as they're shoving me in, like, they're just pushing me into this Denny's. Like, 
yeah. get in there, girl, get in there. And I'm like, no, no, my friend's in there. And the bartenders, you know, and just like all this craziness was happening all at once. But yeah, it was, it was pretty insane. I don't, I don't know if that's like considered near death, but it was definitely a traumatic event. Absolutely. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Can't imagine that happening. Oh my God. Um, so let's try and see where we can take this now. I'm trying to think of where we're going to segue now. That story's so, so intense and like terrifying and it has nothing to do with the paranormal, which, uh, <laughs> what we're trying to be talking about today. But, well, um, I, I think that just made me more sensitive to things and more, uh, I would sit in my car and wonder if the person next to me would just freak out out of nowhere and, you know, lose their mind in traffic. So I became extremely sensitive after that mm. to other people and um, their energy and how I felt. And I, I always trusted my intuition after that. Like, that was huge for me because I always tried to, the near-death thing, I never wanted to talk about it. I never wanted to acknowledge it. I didn't even talk about it with my family until I was older. Oh, can't. Oh, God. That's, that's so intensely terrifying to have but it's, both of those incidents happen to you. It's this town, um, Christina can attest to this, these, these shootings happen in these bars often. I don't venture into bars anymore, and I teach yeah. my kids. And it's, it's one of those things, I mean, my husband works in the casino industry, it's just one of those things that it doesn't really get talked about. I mean, yeah, you hear the big things, but people jumping off the buildings, uh, the top of the parking structures, it happens all the time. Um, my husband was in a in a situation where he almost got tased in the casino. There was a shooting, and it didn't even make the news. Like, there's a lot of a lot of crazy things that happen in this town. Is that just is that just because they don't want to hurt the the tourism? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. We, my husband worked for Mandalay Bay for 18 years. After the big shooting we had here, he actually left right after that. He's like, I'm done. It just yeah. changed so much. Um, I visited that spot after the shooting, not too long, probably about three weeks. And um, we have a friend, that, a family member. Is it, it's This community is very small, so we pretty much everybody knew somebody mm-hmm. who was there or had friends yeah. that were there. I couldn't mm-hmm. open my Facebook without having – I had a friend that was actually shot there. So I had went to Mandalay Bay to drop off something to him at work, and I was so overwhelmed with the feeling there, I couldn't even get out of the car. I, I was like, you need to come to me. I can't get out. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't be here. But they don't talk about these things on the news very often, unless it's like a really serious shooting. But um, the, the counselor that they had come out on the property during this time while I was there, um, they had a Greek counselor come out right away for me. And he said, well, you're lucky it happened on a Sunday night because – there's other things going on. I was kind of like, what? He's like, yeah, then no news is going to be out here, so you don't have to worry about that. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. what a thing to say. Yeah, no kidding. It's like, what the fuck? But I think it's also, I mean, wouldn't you say, Melly, like, it's also as far as, like, self-protection because it is kind of crazy. Like, both you and I are very much into, like, making sure that we know how to use a gun and how we can protect ourselves because you never want to be kind of a sitting duck in a situation like that again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think spiritually as well. You feel that yeah. way. 
so that's why these last two years with this watch, I just kind of was thrown thrown off quite a bit, and I buried it for it was been it's been buried a few times. And so hold on, let's get yeah, let's get back to this watch. So you're wearing it, you're you've now reached out for help. So what started happening? Well, I wouldn't call it help. I was just telling Christina. <laughs> okay, you're venting about it. You're like, oh, I don't know what's happening. What the hell is this? I'm wearing this stupid watch, and now this is happening to me. Yeah, I think I needed validation from her. Like, hey, check. I mean, this is all this stuff is happening. I just want to kind of let somebody else know this is happening. So down the road, if something crazy happens, I'm not like I don't come off as this crazy person out of nowhere. Like I. She's like, no, you've been crazy for a steady two years, you know. <laughs> um, I had buried it after we got lost trying to bury it. I buried it on my property. Okay. And I visit northern Nevada quite a few times a year because I have family up there. So we had met um, some people up in Virginia City, one of our trips, and I told Christina um, – well, we'll see if he wants it because he's, he's looking for pieces for his stuff. And then a friend, friend of the family up there also had um, an antique store that I had bought something from there before. So I was like, okay, well, if he doesn't want it, then maybe, you know, whatever, this this person. So I had smart smartly mailed the watch up there. And I was like, I'm going to mail it, and then I'll um, just get it while it's up there and take it up there. And then the day before I was supposed to bring it up to Virginia City, I was in a car accident. So I was T-boned in an intersection. She had run the red light. She hit me, my sister, my mom, and my two of my kids were in the car at the time. And it was a pretty serious accident. So I mailed the watch back down to me, and then I buried it. And I was like, okay, well, maybe next time. And then I went through probably about six, no, probably about four months of telling everybody something seriously wrong with this car accident, like, my neck, my arm, my my vision had been blown out, and it turned out my disc had ruptured. And the optometrist said that it looked like I suffered. Um, she sees guys coming back from war that have uh, those flashbangs or what, whatever those shells that go off. She sees that kind of eye in- injury on those people with concussions. Mm. So I'm like, okay. So we finally did a CAT scan. They figured out that my disc was ruptured. They scheduled me for... What, I think I had six surgeries under a year. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had six surgeries under a year. And then in between these two sur- two of these surgeries, we had planned a trip t- for Thanksgiving up to Reno to see my family. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try this watch again. And I, the whole time I kept saying, like, uh, it, has no, it has no pull over me. It, it's just, you know, my crazy thinking. It's really nothing you know, trying to psych myself up for it. And um, I get up there, and my appendix ruptured. Jeez, can't catch a break. Yeah, so at 12 o'clock at night, my appendix ruptured, and I woke up my husband, and I told him, like, this is some serious pain. And he's, at that point, I had 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 two home births with him. He knew, like, I have yeah. some pain tolerance, and if I was waking him up, it was serious. We went to the hospital, and they're like, yeah, we have to do an emergency appendectomy tomorrow. So we did that, and I had one day of recovery, and then we drove home. And um, after we got home, before I could bury the watch, my like I had burst my staples, because I have kids, so I, I'm not trying to hear, like, 
sit and chill and, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So um, I got home finally after they fixed that, and I buried the watch again. No, I didn't bury the watch. I had another surgery right after that. I had another surgery for my neck. And um, behind me is uh, a wall that I share with my um, my shower. And I had hung the watch there until I could bury it because I couldn't do much of anything at this point. And the pipe burst. So this is a day after my surgery. The pipe burst. I'm all drugged up. I'm trying to recover. You know, my husband's in here. There's water everywhere. It flooded the whole closet. And then I think two days later, I had enough energy to bury the watch. And then nothing happened after that. My God. And is is all this activity only happening to you? Yeah. We've always had activity in this house. My husband hates to admit it. Um, I took the kids to Reno one time, and he was here alone because he had work and he couldn't get the time off. And um, all the smoke alarms in the house went off and scared the shit out of him at 3 in the morning. <laughs> no fire, I hope. No, nothing. It was just one of those things where he's like, man, I hate staying in this house. We've had activity in this house all the time, but I really think that stems from me. I don't really think, like, it's the home, per se. I think okay. it's, like, Christina, I think it's a lot of her house in her case and and her but I think a lot of this is me but anyway so the watch has been buried I had my last surgery March um, last year found out I was pregnant a month after all my surgeries were done I haven't had any problems since the watch has been buried since then and then my birthday rolled around and I asked Christina I was like okay we're not pregnant because she didn't want to go to the haunted museum pregnant I was pregnant as well with twins. We were pregnant at the awesome. same time. Awesome. She didn't want to. Thank you. <laughs> she didn't want to go. I probably still would have went, but um, she didn't want to go, and I wanted someone to go with me. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring the watch down there, see if they're going to keep it, see if they'll keep it for me. Wow. And she's like, you know, if they don't, let's just throw it on the, the lawn and run. <laughs> yeah, right? Fuck this thing. I told her, I said, this is enough. Well, because you're missing one detail. When you unburied it this last time, what happened? And this was kind of the final straw for me as a friend. I said, okay. we're getting rid of it. Yeah, if this wouldn't have happened, I probably would have flip-flopped. Um, what happened was I had unburied it, and three days later, my husband was shot with a shotgun at the gun range. What? Yeah, point blank. He, so they use pellets because they're skeet shooting. Okay. And um, it was just a freak accident where uh, my brother, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, they're getting married next month. They were down for a bachelor party. His brother hit the barrel with the railing and squeezed a trigger and just sprayed my husband with the pellets. Oh the two, my god! Three days after I buried it. Yeah. Dear God. And this was like what two or three days before we were going to go to the haunted museum. Um. Yeah. We had bought our tickets in advance, so we knew he we were okay? going. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's fine. I give him. I give him a hard time all the time. Like, you need better outlets. Boys <laughs> oh and their toys. Yeah. yeah, he's only been to that gun range. This is his second time, and it was just like a bachelor party thing. You know, something that was, in my opinion, guys that shouldn't have guns or guys on a bachelor party. Well, they weren't drinking. Like, they weren't drinking or anything. They actually were going to take my son, who's 13, um, but 
plans change. And then Christina actually said that he had to be 18 anyway, which I didn't know. So thank God, you know, that my brother was there, my soon to be brother-in-law, his brother and my husband. And, um, when that happened, I told Christina, you know, Russ was just shot and this watch has got to go. Like mm-hmm. it, as soon as I unbury it, some freaky shit happens. And it wasn't just me. It was, didn't happen to me. Yeah. That's kind of the, the thing that I was wondering about if it was only happening to you. But I think that's kind of why you were able to deal with it. You're like, whatever. It's just I, like, I'm, I'm a tough girl. Like I can, I can handle this. And once it starts affecting your actual family, it's something different and something a bit more. So I think it's a smart call on your part. I personally probably would have gotten rid of it a lot earlier. Seriously. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think, I think that just is a, a test to how tough you are. So. Uh, oh, or stupid. <laughs> Well, go ahead. You don't, you don't have to say it, but it's right? stupid. <laughs> but I really did have this attachment to it, and I thought, like, well, maybe I'll sell it. And then I was like, I don't want to give those problems to somebody else, even though maybe they're problems I've manifested. And you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Like, what if something yeah. happened to somebody? I would feel like crap if that mm-hmm. happened. Well, you want to give it to Zach Bagans, though. So. So. <laughs> they're more well equipped to handle that I mean clearly I had been really encouraging her I said you know what better place the museum's right there like let's just go knock on the door and drop it off and <laughs> mail it to them whatever you know whatever um, so when we decided to go to the museum for her birthday I said make sure you take it um, we'll go out to lunch bring it with you you didn't bring it in the museum initially I was shaking the whole yeah. way Driving with it, uh, Christina has seen this before. When I've had the watch in my possession out, I, like, shake with, I tremble from it. It yeah. scares the shit out of me. Jeez. I don't so think I, it. I didn't want it, I didn't want it on me. I actually left it in my car. Okay. And then so, um, after the tour, oh, you go ahead, you tell better. So, we go through this museum, which is a whole different story, um... And we're nearing the end. We're coming out of the Demon House exhibit. And uh, I told her, I said, it's time. We need to get rid of this. And, she, you know, she's kind of like, well, I don't want to ask the, ho- you know, the, the different hosts. And, the, and, I, and I said, well, let's just go ask someone. And the, the girl had popped up out of the back of the curtain. And I said, go ask her. And she said, no, no, no. And I literally was like pushing her. I go, go ask her. Go ask her. So I kind of, embar- I think I embarrassed you a little bit. I pushed her into this. This poor girl, and um, she probably thought we were trying to sell sell her drugs or sell something. or something. Yeah, and the girl goes, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't really know what to do with this, but I'm going to give you to Nancy." Well, Melly didn't know who Nancy was, and uh, turned the corner and there was Max's mom, and um, she proceeded to tell her the story, you know, of what was going on, and she had no idea still who she was, and I was sitting there going, "Oh God, for the love of God, please take this from her." <laughs> get it out of her possession. So this is Zach Bagan's mom that you were talking yeah, to? Yeah, she works in the gift shop, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I had no clue who she was. I had a friend who worked on the museum, um, and so I kind of knew who she, I, I knew who Nancy was, and I knew what she looked like. So when we turned the corner and his mom was there, and you can kind of take it from there because you talked to her. Oh, no, she was super nice. Yeah, she yeah. was really nice about it. She kind of... I think I caught her off guard because I feel like she was probably like, what, 
do you want money for it or something? Yeah. Like, she never asked that. She didn't ask that at all. But she kind of was, like, um, reserved about it. And But she's very interested. And what I was telling her, I kind of paraphrased it. And I was like, look, the last time I dug this up, which was a couple of days ago, my husband was shot. And she kind of was like, stop me there. She was like, I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. So I went out to my car and brought it in. And she's like, yeah, I'll take it. And she took my name and phone number and stuff like that. And, and she's like, oh, we'll give it back to you if anything happens. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. no, thank you. Cheers, nope. now. No givesies, backsies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, you, no, it's yours now, because um, yeah. I was afraid to even melt it down. I was scared. <laughs> I don't know why, but oh, I just had a feeling like. So I told her that Hazel is a salty bitch. I remember saying <laughs> that to her. I cussed at Zach Beggins' mom. Good. Good. <laughs> And I kind of felt like an asshole after Christina told me who she was because I was like, I just cussed at his mom. Oh, it doesn't matter. Treat everyone the same, right? <laughs> well, I know, but still, you know. <laughs> it's poor lady. I mean, she probably hears stories all the time, and I kind of felt like people do things for attention sometimes, and I didn't want her to feel that way. And I had had pictures, the pictures that I sent you. I had had those pictures with me so I could... Like, be like, no, this has been going on for two years. Like, this isn't just something I made up to be like, hey, pay attention to me or whatever someone would do for that kind of reason. So, you know, I showed her the pictures and, you know, she's very polite, very nice. They took it and I'm happy to never see it again, ever. Wow. So is this watch now on display in the Haunted Museum? They don't know. The museum's really with all different artifacts when you go through. I mean, there's spaces where there's so many things you can't even focus. Like, you'd have to go through a couple times to actually see and really ingest everything that's going on. So I think okay. even if you walked out, you probably wouldn't even know. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even know if they put it out or if they kind of do those things with them or or what. I never... I. I do regret not ever doing like a K2 or a spare box session with it, but at the same time, Tone. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, then, that part you, of I, me, I really ooh. wanted to. I was like, oh, if I could just pull it out and, you know, I don't know. But I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Christina already thinks Good. I'm nuts for doing like spare box in my house and stuff like that. But um, I never felt threatened about that kind of stuff. But, um, I don't know what they're going to do with it. She might have threw it in the trash. I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't think so. She seemed like she was really interested in the fact that it was kind of an antique piece. I think she was even thinking like, oh, you could have sold this to a jeweler. It was really a beautiful piece of jewelry, um, you know, if you just looked at it from that point of view. So I think she probably did think like, you know, do you want money for it? And um, she was like, just please take it off my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And that just kind of validates how how terrified of this object you were at this point right i was shaking when i was talking to her i i and i had apologized to her i was like i'm so sorry i'm shaking right now it's just this watch (laughs) oh my god so so you got rid of the watch and it may or may not be featured right now in the haunted museum which is pretty cool yeah i mean i do plan on going back i definitely want to go back not to see the watch yeah (laughs) Sure. I know you have that attachment to it. (laughs) But there's so much stuff in there, and I found it really interesting. I loved it. I loved going in. Um, I was sorry that it took so long to get down there, but I definitely want to go back and see. So um, if if I do see it, I'll definitely 
you know. Take pictures. You gotta take you pictures. Can't. You can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. you can't take your phone out there. Um, I had got scratched when we were in Bella Lugosi's, um, the mirror. We there came out of there, and I had this big scratch on my arm, and the tour guide. Look, are you to look in the mirror? Yeah. yeah, I looked in the mirror. Heck yeah. Oh god. We both did. <laughs> Yeah. And then you got scratched. That's messed up. <laughs> I was like, sign me up. It's, I'm, here to, I'm here to do it all. Yeah. And then did you kind of find that you had, like, nightmares or anything at home after that? Nothing? No. No, I've had some whispers, but that's always going on. Like, that's not a new kind of thing in this house with me. Um, I've done a couple uh, spirit box sessions in the house, and... But we've always had a lot of activity on the spirit box, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, the, But I didn't feel like anything came home with me from there, from the scratch. And uh, like I said, when we talked about it on our show, was that I could have easily bumped into something. It's t- tight quarters, and it's a lot of people. And I had just been jump scared by a little person dressed like a doll, and I'm terrified of dolls. So she had come run out of this doll closet at me, and I had... Like just had the fright of my life, so my adrenaline yeah. was pumping. So if something, if I did bump up against something or someone, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Drew, she didn't jump up, uh, drop against anything. <laughs> I saw it. Um, it was three scratches, very distinct on her shoulder, nail scratches. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have nails, so it wasn't me. And I was next to her the whole time. So, Jeez. yeah, you're downplaying it right now. Well, I don't like to just with the watch. I don't know why I have that feeling that this watch was this the root cause of these things. I feel very strongly about that. But in general, I kind of just want to explain things away. Like that kind like I I honestly couldn't tell you if I bumped up against something. So I'm not, you know, I, I we had looked at each other before we had gone in and cuz we have been scratched in locations before. Right. They, her and another woman and her daughter actually witnessed this scratch come up my back in the cabin up in Virginia City. We watched so, it happen in front of us. Oh, my gosh. So we've had these things happen. So it's not outside the norm. And I've been scratched from the watch. And then I also had the watch outside. And I had had it in the car with me. And I dug it up. So I wasn't trying to, like, you know what I mean? But Yeah, you're, you're, your mind was all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so, Christina, you live in a haunted house now yeah it's it's been pretty calm um when i moved to vegas seven years ago i moved into the one empty lot that hadn't been built on and um, my neighbor came across and it's quite a funny story we're very good friends now but she came across the street and said oh are you going to buy this house and i said i think so and she took me into her home that was modeled the same way um i was going to do it and Mm -hmm. um after i moved in and the house was being built I noticed that there was uh, a lot of things going on in the house. I had a brand new puppy and the puppy, we were videotaping the puppy and Mm -hmm. I'm real skeptical with orbs, but it was very clear on video that the dog was chasing these orbs on the video on an iPhone. Yeah. And we did it like over three days and the dog was barking and then my dog's really sensitive to it. And uh, so that's what kind of started I started noticing that there was something going on. It came to find out that the way that the house is built, there's a section in the downstairs that's um, kind of like an attached casita. And there's four doors in this section. And what I was told is that when you have a section like where you have four doors in each corner in this particular area, it can create a portal. And there was a lot of energy that was in this particular section of the house. 
downstairs. So I had people come over, take a look at it. Separate people had told me the same thing. Um, and I had the house cleansed. I brought people over to sage, salt, the whole thing. And it would die down and it would kick up. Um, and, uh, you know, things that I would have downstairs in my office, for example. I would be sitting downstairs in my office and my bathroom is above the office. And I would hear doors open and shut when I was home alone. The mm. kids would hear it. Um, and the kids got real scared. You know, they would hear things, doors shutting, drawers opening. Um, I finally had my friend come over with her equipment and do a spirit box session, which I'm really against because I don't necessarily want that in my house. I don't want to open anything else up in my home. Well, I was going to say, I think you already got stuff going on in your house. Yeah, I was just, you know, part of me was just like, I'm fine with it. Nothing really scares me. But when it's in your home and you have kids, that's a whole different level that I didn't really want to mess with. I totally get that. And, uh, we found out that there was quite a few spirits in the house after doing the spirit box session. And, um, so I actually was working with a, a Reiki master and, uh, I had taken Reiki myself. And, uh, part of it was just learning kind of what Melly was saying about being really empathic and being able to feel, feel other people's energies is I really wanted a way to be able to shield myself from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the Reiki master worked on the house and when he did that, when he came over and he was working on the house and really kind of identifying what was going on, uh, and it was, it was an interesting experience because this particular gentleman, um, is very unique in that he has one of the only two crystal beds in existence. Um, he was gifted this crystal bed and it's quite, it's, I don't even really know how to describe it. That's a whole podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> but it's one of the only two in the world. And um, he's done healing sessions. He's the reason why my husband and I are married still. Let me put it that way. Like, he's really an amazing human being. And uh, he worked on the house. And when he worked on the house, everything quieted down. So it's now, it's been pretty calm. Had the babies and um, the dogs and my house is quite full. Um, but it's been pretty calm since then. Yeah. yeah, she's not talking about the portal in her freaking <laughs> in this breeze way. Oh, God. I yeah. It's part of her house. They've, more than one person in the portal. Seen it? They've Ugh. seen the portal? Seen it. They've seen it. People that are real sensitive to that. I've had different people um, that don't know anything about it and don't know each other come in and tell me the same thing and tell me that it's a portal. So, so they, they say what it looks like? Um, yeah. They said it's like a, like a energy, um, like a tornado energy. That the way that, that the house is built, and it's interesting because my neighbor um, has her house built exactly the same way, and she had exactly the same issue. And we were the only two houses on the block that are built that way and had that issue. So I don't know if it's coincidental or not. Or it's freaky. I came over to her house for the first time. And I didn't know anything about this, and she showed me her office down there. And you have to walk through this space. I think it was your mother-in-law's. Your mo- or your mother was living there at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to walk through this this square space and um it kind of reminds me of pioche there's there's spots there that have this square space and you when you walk through this area you feel like you're have you ever done those wind tunnels yeah like those grab wind Mm. it feels like that but energy not wind just energy and they explained it to me like um energy going up from the bottom and from the top down like it's up and down, up and down with the energy, and it just—if yeah. you have the four doors closed, it allows it to spin. 
harder. I don't know. I hate it. I hate I absolutely hate that space. Wow, that's so strange. And do you find that it's like a negative energy or is it a positive energy or is it a mix or like I think it's a mix. Um yeah. there's been times I've felt things that are a little bit more malevolent. Um but I'm I'm very spiritual. I'm very religious. Um and I just feel like a lot of prayer and a lot of um sage <laughs> and a lot of um you know, is really kind of causing anything negative because we did a spirit box session afterwards. And I kind of asked, I'm like, you know, we, the, the first, my first experience with the paranormal as an adult had to do with going to a park here in Vegas and seeing the lights flicker on and off, you know, the flashlights, you know, with the left one for yes, with the right one for no, that kind of thing. Yep. So we did SOS a, a, signaling. Yeah, we did that in the house and we asked it like what it was. Cause I thought maybe it could be my grandmother or, my stepdad, they had passed away right before I purchased the home, and I had experiences in the home with them. I knew it was them. And, really? uh, yeah, absolutely. House full of smoke. Nobody smokes. Oh, my gosh. When I was just there, what, a week ago, yeah. there was this rogue smoke smell. Yeah. And really? we both have babies, and I know no one in her house smokes, and we're sitting there talking, and I was like, do you smell that? It smells yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. A smoking chair. And Weird. she's like, what? And I was like, it's just a smoking chair right here. It was the bizarrest thing. I've, I've smelt, I've had that happen maybe a handful of times where I've gotten like a rogue smell out of nowhere. Yeah. And that, that was very distinct. Yeah. That's happened to me one time, a rogue smell. Sorry to cut you off, uh, Christina. No, not But, uh, yeah, I was, I had just come home from my girlfriend, now my wife's, um, apartment and I got home. It was late at night. Like, I don't, I don't know what time it was. Maybe around one or two in the morning maybe three if you want to go there. But uh, I came home and I was just checking Facebook. This was years ago on my laptop. And in the kitchen, there was I was living with my brothers at the time and all I could smell was cookies being baked. And I was like, who the hell's baking cookies at this time of night? And then and it had just started. It's not like I walked in and you could smell it, but it was like it came out of nowhere, right? So I got up out of my chair and I went in the kitchen and I was sitting in the dark because like I knew the house like there was no one's business and I could just walk around the dark. And so I walked to the kitchen in the dark and I flicked the light on and I'm like opening the oven. There's no cookie. The oven's not on, but there's no cookies anywhere. And I'm kind of like, I could go for a cookie right now. Like what's happening? And I'm looking around. There's clearly no cookies. I'm living in a house with these other guys that they're not going to go bake. Cookies. No. So I was like, what's that? And then I was like, maybe the neighbor is baking, but like, why would they like, baking at this time of night but the person that had lived there before me was a, a very sweet nice old lady that would do baking all the time for like everyone on the street apparently as well and maybe she saw me coming home and, and she would actually take people into her house like like orphans and people like runaways and things like that and they would all stay in the house and I think that that was just maybe she saw me as that coming home late at night and she's like oh let me get the cookies Thank going cookies. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, but that's like a, a weird experience that I've had with smell, and it was a hundred percent not scary. I was like, I, I had like the feeling of like this is amazing, like this is so mm-hmm. nice. Oh my gosh! And I'm looking around, I don't see anything, but uh, I, I do think that that's what that was, and I didn't yeah. really know that was the case at the time. But yeah, uh, I mean, and it happened a couple times with the cigarettes because both my stepdad and my grandmother passed away within two, three months of each other. And they were really close and they both were like heavy smokers. Um, mm. And I think, you know, 
the one thing that when you talked about baking, I remember the one thing that happened that really scared me. I think I, I blocked things out was my daughter was home alone and my daughter's super sensitive. She's 15 right now and she was home and a bowl flew across the kitchen counter. Wow. And on the floor. Oh. And um, she called me really, really scared, of course. Um, and she doesn't spook easily. Like, we took her to the Washoe Club in Virginia City. She went into the cemetery late at night. Like, she doesn't get spooked easily. And uh, she called me and said, Mom, the bowl just flew across the counter. It shattered on the floor. I need someone here right away. Like, get home. Like, I'm really yeah. scared. No so, yeah. Is this house a new build? Yeah. A new build, and you're getting smoke smell. Because I was kind of thinking, like, oh, maybe it was a, uh, like, from a previous owner, maybe the smell's coming through, and they had tried to clean it. That's fucked up. Well, wow, here's the other thing about Vegas. Here's the other thing to think about Vegas, and I've often thought about this, is they say seven miles from the Flamingo East is where all the bodies are buried, and I'm about 7.5. Oh, God. And, and there's so many. I shit you not that... They're supposed to report it, but there's they don't. crews that are just like it's gonna, it's gonna Happen. stop construction. So let's just keep on going, and it, that shit right. happens. I know. I cars that's in construction that does the digging, and they've come across bodies, and they keep digging because they know what will happen if they report it. So too much money. Yeah. Too much money. Oh yeah. my god, that's so disgusting. At the same time. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know her family members that had passed, so I didn't know anything about them being smoke, smokers. And I had been in the house. I had been over about an hour already. Yeah. And it just uh, appeared out of nowhere. It just came to me. And I'm very sensitive to smokers. Like, I can, my windows can be up in my car, and someone could be smoking a cigarette in the next car over with their windows up, and I could smell that shit. <laughs> the same way. Yeah. So gross. So well, I'd rather be smelling the baked cookies than, than cigarettes. Yeah. Did it just dissipate for you did it just go all of a sudden you just stop smelling it because that's what happened for us well you know what it was i was just like in the kitchen the light on and then i turned the light off and i walked upstairs and went straight to bed <laughs> and i was like i did like it was like a i think she was like maybe saying like it's pretty late you should be going to bed and like relax me and i was like okay i'm out of here i'm going to yeah. bed so, so cool yeah I it was think really that's a good thing to share because a lot of people think that paranormal experiences are always either really dark, um, malevolent, and scary and upsetting. Not. And a lot of times they're not. Sometimes they're really cool and you're just like, whoa. And then sometimes they're very comforting. Like there's a certain smell that I smell um, and I've had it maybe like three times and I just know that that's a family member and it's very comforting for me. Yeah, absolutely. So if it, if it happens, it's just kind of just really shows it to you because it's not like you can say like I smelt this at this time and it, it's like it's very hard to like to convince someone of that but if they can smell it too it's it's something that you're both kind of uh, sharing in, in that moment so very cool yeah I think that people have to embrace those those types of experiences you know oh, for absolutely. what they are it's, they're very um, for me they've been very rare so I think they're really, really cool when they do happen. So when that happened at her house, I was just like, this is so crazy. Well, and you know what, too, I, come to think of it, it doesn't really surprise me with my stepdad because I was so close with him that when he died, I took my mom to go see a psychic because she had some unresolved things, and he actually talked to me. 
through the psychic. And oh, really? Yeah. She's like, he's kind of mad at your mom right now, but um, he wants to talk to you. And she described him from head to toe what he looked like. And I felt a warmth on my cheek. And she's like, he's hugging you. And I said, yeah, I feel it. Like, I completely feel him, like, side hugging me. It's my cheek. And so I, it doesn't surprise me with new babies in the house that maybe he kind of was coming to say hi. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's a good point. That. Yeah. And so, Christina, what's the scariest thing that's happened in your house? Um, Natalie. I think two things. Um, initially, well, Natalie for sure, um, because when we got back from Virginia City, Nat, my daughter Natalie was scratched in the Washoe Club in the middle of the day with the tour guide right there. And we're talking a scratch about maybe eight inches long, three of three or four of them down her back. I have pictures of it. Uh, it was pretty brutal. And um, when she got back from we got back from Virginia City, uh, she got scratched again in her bed. And um, I had to go get her cleansed and everything. And it, it ended up being okay, but it was pretty scary as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say the bull, Natalie, and then when I was pregnant, I got pushed out of bed. Um, out of bed? Yeah, like pushed. Like it was pushing oh. me out of bed. And I went and I, I went to um, the Reiki master that I've worked with, and I asked him. I said, "Can you tell me what that was about? Because why am I getting pushed out of bed? I'm pregnant. Like I'm not interested in messing around with this." And um, he he basically told me that I was in an, a bad position for the baby, and that was like a family member pushing me like off of the baby. Hmm. So it was scary initially because. For sure. I was yeah, being physically touched, physically touched and like moved out of the bed. And then when I found out why I felt like, Oh, okay, that's cool. If you need to do that again, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah, All day long. Yeah. Um, and so you were saying that you do cleanses of your home. How often do you do them? Um, I've done probably three really in depth cleanses where I've had people come in and have either paid them or have them that really know what they're doing. Um, the sage, I'll probably go through and do the house with sage probably about once a month or so yeah. uh, myself. Okay. But um, yeah, like I actually had somebody come out and do salted the whole outside of the house and saged my husband and I and every corner of the house. And it's a pretty big house, so it took a while. But um, yeah, I do about once a month. Nice. Yeah. And- I don't know much about portals. I've, I hear a lot about them with the paranormal happening. Do you know how to get rid of a portal? Is it a way to, is there a way to close a portal? Is there a way to kind of, I don't know, slow it down or kind of, you know, you know it's is there really, anything you can really it's do? It's a really good question. I don't know. You know, I really don't. I just know that when I asked for help, I received it. Um, I started just doing a lot of praying and, You know, and it's kind of one of those things where I've just made it really evident that I appreciate that if it's something friendly visiting me, you know, but I really don't want anything in the house. Like, I just need everybody to leave the house, the space in the house. Like, that's my sacred space. Those are my children. Like, you all need to leave and find another place to go. Um, (laughs) And thank you for confirming that you're here. Um, I feel like once I was really clear with that, and I did that in one of the cleansings that we walked through the house and just said, thank you for being here, but I need you to leave. This space is sacred for me and my family. That it left. Because Mm. you could feel it in the house when there was something in here. You could, you felt it. You you felt it where it was just like craziness in my house. 
Melissa's nodding very, very fast here as that was being said. So I'm guessing, yes, you could feel it. Yeah, I was so scatterbrained going in there. Like, I just couldn't collect myself, which is, um, and the funny thing is I had just did a really intense grounding for myself. And um, I had went in there, and I felt so scatterbrained. I, I couldn't get my words out. I couldn't form sentences. I was stuttering. I don't stutter normally. <laughs> oh, I started staging when you came over. I was like, sorry, excuse me, but something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Christina wasn't sure that she wanted to have me over at all. <laughs> no, but you know what? It kind of made sense because when she came over, um, we just had a temporary kind of situation where I had – one, two, three, four family members move in with me temporarily. So you have all of that energy coming into the house. It, yeah. it, it, there was a shift, and she came, like, a couple days after that happened. So I, I do think that I needed to, like, be really clear with the house, all that new energy and new stuff and new everything in the house where I stood. So oh, God. Yeah, it felt like chaos. It, there was some chaos going on. Yeah. Okay. And so... So as we wind down here, let's talk about Eternal Return Podcast. What are you ladies up to with that? <laughs> well, we just finished our first one on the Haunted Museum, right? So when people want to come to Vegas and visit, we really wanted to kind of give people a background of what to expect and what you might see. And there's definitely some spoilers. Um, we have some really good evidence from different places we've been in Vegas that we've kind of been holding on to that we're like, what do we do with it? Um We've been to Pioche a couple times, um, spent the night in the Overland Hotel a couple times. Mm. Um, the lights on in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that place has some. Fetal position. Fetal position. Million dollar courthouse, the jailhouse, the jail. We, we spent some time in the jail. Um, we've gone out to Virginia City, um, which was really intense. That's my favorite place ever. Yeah. I, I feel like um, that's my home. And I belong there, so I I it I fiend to go up there all the time, and my family just knows when I visit, I'm spending a day up there. Nice. Yeah, the Armagosa. We've got. I think I don't know if I went with a friend of mine, but Armagosa Opera House. We've gone out there. Um, so a lot Rye of Pine, yeah, Rhyolite, um, Pioneer Saloon is pretty we're, active. We're supposed to be getting into the Gold Hill Hotel. And um, the bank building, and I think there's one other building. We're just waiting. A friend of mine knows the owners really well, and I believe he's in Egypt right now. So um, he's trying to get us in. I don't really want to do it in these hot summer months because there's no AC or anything in these buildings, and it's so miserable out in the middle of the desert. It's really awful. So hopefully in the next couple months we'll get in there, and we're trying to get um, a few people to come with us for that one. Okay, cool. So is this is this a like a weekend kind of for fun ghost hunting, investigating, or are you kind of involved with an actual like a a team or? Um, I I haven't found anybody that I particularly click with um, out here per se. There's a lot of like um. <laughs> just a lot of friction with some people because a lot of people have very strong beliefs which is awesome for them um, I have my beliefs Christina has opposite beliefs than I do I'm not a religious person and she is but we don't um, butt heads in those things we kind of embrace those opposites and mm-hmm. allow 
allow that space to grow and say, okay, well, could it be this? And, you know, kind of like a yin and yang thing. Um, for some reason, I haven't found other people that I have that with because I, I don't like being in a space where it's yes and no and just closed off to any kind of other possibility except for what they believe in. And, and that's okay for some people. I don't, I can't operate in that kind of space. I don't, right. I don't. Yeah, and it. I think a lot of these places, you know, um, I've gone with different groups out here in Vegas just to kind of experience how people do things. And um, I personally really like the historical point of view and what's happened there because um, it's so rich out here. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other part of it, too, is just having a respect for the dead, um, you know, that these these are people, you know, whether we're in a brothel. Right. Or, um, you know, in a cemetery or what have you, these are people. And I think that there has to be so much respect that's given to them and not necessarily um, being combative or rude or those kinds of things, even though they're not alive anymore. So. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And as, as an empath, I go into places and I feel like these this person's trauma sometimes and I connect with that and to discount them and treat them poorly, even though they're dead. I just don't agree with it really. I kind of, and I get like, there's some bad spirits and, and I feel like if you were a shitty person in life, you can be a shitty spirit and project that in death as well. And I get like, people don't have respect for that. I don't have respect for bullies either. When mm -hmm. spirits exert themselves, obviously I've had that happen to me. And um, I get that, but I just don't want the negative part of it always creeping in. I don't appreciate yeah. it. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of positive to it too. And I think, like you were saying earlier, you know, when you have these positive experiences, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be afraid, um, yeah. like sense or things that you know happen that I think we can kind of just brush to the side and say, oh, you know, that's just me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crazy or what, what have you. Um, and I think your question was like, is this really kind of like a weekend thing? And we've been doing it for a while. Um, and we've been sitting on all this footage and things that, um, like I mentioned before, I'd gone to New Orleans for my birthday and brought all my equipment and stood out in front of the La Lori house and got awesome. some incredible EVPs. Wicked. You know? And it's, yeah, <laughs> like crazy. And um, it's been sitting on my laptop, like just yeah. kind of sitting there, you know. So we we're like, we should Get it out there. Get it up there. Yeah, share it. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of... people that this stuff is, is actually happening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Everything they, can went on, they can do it too. Everything went on the back burner too when I got hurt and then when then we were each pregnant. So we kind of like, now we're ready to go again. We're like, all right, let's do this again. And it's so much fun. Like, I love it. I, like, yeah, I like the creepy shit too. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people listen to your podcast? Um, it's, it's everywhere. We're just waiting for confirmation from like Apple to, I think I got it today. Google, um, Apple, Spotify, Spotify. Anchor, and real, I think it's real radio, Bleaker. Cool. Um, uh, there's just, uh, we use Anchor to host, so it just sends them out to all the other places. I think Stitcher, we need to submit our RSS feed, but, um, we're, tr we're trying to nail down our schedule so can we can get more talks out there. We have, Like Christina said, we had tons of evidence. I have a really cool one that we want to do. We went down to the basement in Pioche, and 
Oh. I felt like my head got bashed in. And when I go into these places, I don't like to know anything about them. And, like, I don't research them. I don't do any kind of history. I just kind of like, oh, you say it's haunted? Cool, let's go. And then that way, if I have an experience, it's unique to me, and it's it's not something that I'm feeding off of from some other kind of point of information. And we went into the Pioche um, Overland Hotel basement, and I felt like my head got beat in, and I kept seeing 777, and I kept repeating it over and over and over, and Christina has the whole video, and um, I keep saying 777, and then the mail meter goes to 77.7 degrees, and oh, and ever since this, well, it turns out the, what was he the owner, Christina? Yeah, you know, the back history. in the 60s or the 70s, he's got his head bashed in. Oh. And he was robbed in the in the basement. Because the girl wouldn't go in. One of the girls wouldn't go in. She thought it was scary. And I was like, I'm not scared down here. I don't feel scared down here. You know, I feel it's a little icky. My head's pounding and it got worse and worse and worse and worse until I had to get out of there. And we had actually packed up all our gear. We were heading out of town and they let us in. And um, it it was freaking me out. And she kept telling me, like, there's something to this. There's something to this. And ever since that 777 thing, I see it all the time. But I feel like when you when you look for those things, you see them also. Yeah. Like if you have a white car, then you know, you have a yellow car, you're going to see yellow cars or whatever. activator. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, my yeah. God. We just want to so, talk about those things. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I hear you. So Christina and Melissa, Eternal Return Podcasts. Download it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to your podcasts, and give these ladies a listen. Thanks so much for being on board the Ghost Train today. Thank and you I so look much. Chatting with you at another time. Absolutely, we look forward to it. Thank you so much for having us. It was fun. It was a good talk. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Thanks so much to my wonderful, creepy guests, Christina and Melissa from Eternal Return Podcast. They have some extremely freaky stories to share with all of the passengers on board the ghost train today. Now, if you have a scary story that you want to share with all the passengers of the ghost train, don't wait. Contact me today on any of my social media platforms. That way we can get you on board the GT Podcast today. Until the next train gets in the station, good luck sleeping tonight.